0: What you're really selling is hope. It has so little to do with the actual thing you're selling and mm-hmm. more about that feeling that you're getting that person to believe in. And so that's what I think we're all searching for right now. But that for sure is what, what I try to strive to do in like any conversation.
1: This is the Wellstruck Podcast, where we talk about what small business ownership is really like. I'm Sarah Zero, the founder of Wellstruck and the facilitator of the Wellstruck community, where small business owners gather to talk shop and exchange fresh perspectives with friends who get it. After years of hearing small business owners talk candidly behind closed doors, the biggest secret I've learned is that we're all just figuring it out as we go. Here on the podcast, I'm interviewing the folks who are down for sharing their stories about the messy middle. Today I'm chatting with Sarah Salvatoriello, the owner of Ampersand and Ampersand. Sarah is a brand strategist who helps medium-sized businesses navigate change through rebranding and communication endeavors. She has many titles, creative director, strategist, armchair psychologist, mom, ISFJ, but no matter what she's working on, her holistic approach is always rooted in finding the counterbalance. With a knack for aligning a brand's voice to their visuals and a yes and mentality, Sarah helps founders find their focus and move toward their goals with services such as full-day branding intensives, which she calls Studio Saturdays, and creative strategy audits. Her critique sessions let creators choose their spice level to get feedback on their work with constructive and actionable next steps. Before launching Ampersand and Ampersand, Sarah spent the first 18 years of her career building in-house creative teams at global media companies like Condé Nast, United Masters, TripAdvisor, and The Knot. Hello and welcome to Sarah Salvatore Yellow. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, For a little background, I've known Sarah Salvatore Yellow. I keep saying your full name. (laughs) Maybe it's because (laughs) I miss Sarah too. I've known Sarah for many years. We actually graduated from the same tiny little program called Visual Communications at the University of Delaware. We graduated in different years. She was a couple of years ahead of me. So I always looked up to her. So it's really fun to be sitting here and getting to interview Sarah because we recently reconnected after years of, of not knowing what each other were up to. So it's kind of fun to dive in and fill in the gaps together today. Yeah. So let's kick things off. Um, tell me just a little bit about you personally, where you live, what are some of the things that you do on
0: the weekends, your family? Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah, I know um, it's a big question.
0: I, <laughs> uh, I, I live in Jersey City, New Jersey, so right across the river from New York. And um, my dog, who is sleeping behind me, um, we I have a partner. His name is Clint. We actually went to high school together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then our three-year-old, almost four, in a few months, Um we have a toddler. So that keeps things super interesting.
1: Oh my gosh. I bet. Especially during the pandemic.
0: <laughs> I mean, yes. Of course. We've been yes, held up in a small apartment together. It's been a lot of a lot of us time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I bet. Um, so we will dive into um first telling me a little bit of an overview about your business in your own words, you know, beyond the beautifully polished bio that you provided, (laughs) um, which is perfect. But tell us just a little bit about like, or in the simplest terms, what do you do and for who?
0: Sure. Um, So I do brand strategy, um, which is sometimes hard to identify and articulate. Um, I think similar to you having, you know, We have a traditional design background, kind of started in branding. So it's the area that we kind of, our minds go to first. But um, where I've been trying to work with this collective ampersand and ampersand, we do brand strategy for small to medium-sized businesses in some moment of pivot or change. Um, So it's sort of this hybrid of change management mixed with brand assets and creative assets uh, so that you can kind of start to give voice and give a name to what this new version of you is, um, which has become so much more relevant and also (laughs) so much more the cause of burnout um, in the last couple of years where we're just changing all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So why do you think it's causing more of the burnout?
0: One of the things with change management um that is like kind of a corporate phrase, a corporate term mm-hmm. for how you kind of steer a large group of people through a big change. And, you know, my history in corporate creatives was that a lot of times a request would come in as, you know, making something pretty to raise morale or to communicate something that was going to happen. You know, there's the sure what font it is, what color it is, but also really what it's saying and what it's doing. And I think I'm looking around lately at the state of the world and there's none of that. There's no signage. It doesn't look like someone is at the helm or kind of considering where we could be going next and I think some of that is causing that burnout because one of the first things with change management is that you do have a very clear sense of where things are going to be going mm. um, and it really is about rallying that trust that you're gonna get there and I think a lot of people aren't necessarily feeling that you know like they're you're losing some of that hope and so then there's no real, Place to put that energy. And so I think that's why everyone is feeling very burnt out is because that's happening in like so many facets of life, you know, not just maybe their one job that is tumultuous. It's just every single thing.
1: (laughs) That really resonates. So do you feel like? sometimes you get to be that little beacon of hope helping people figure out and and helping people see from your point of view of like what the potential is. I know that's a leading question, but you've actually been helping me. You've been helping me with my own brand recently. And I think that you've done that a little bit for me. And so I'm curious if you feel that on your end when you're doing that with clients.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, I, I was definitely pulled towards it long before I kind of knew the depths of my own personal change that was going to kind of happen. But, you know, giving people hope, that is exactly the kind of thing that I love to do. And I've kind of found that I can do it through creative conversations, you know, like it's like this perfect little area for me to kind of do that. Yeah. That's so good. I think it might have been the Mark Manson book, Everything Is Fucked, a story about hope. I don't know if you if we can curse on this. Um, Everything is F. We're going with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But one of the one of like my favorite parts in that book is he talks about how what you're really selling, like as a salesperson, what you're really selling is hope. It has so little to do with the actual thing you're selling and Mm -hmm. more about that feeling that you're getting that person to believe in. And so that's what I think we're all searching for right now. But that for sure is what what I try to strive to do in like any conversation.
1: So that's a good lead-in to the next question, which is um, about your core genius. So when we talk about core genius, I am I'm particularly talking about in this book that I read and now I'm going to have to link it again in the show notes. <laughs> I sound like such a podcaster now when I say it'll be in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, core genius, the idea that there's these there are these four different levels of genius, the bottom one being things that you don't enjoy and you're not very good at. And then the third one is um, things that you are kind of good at, but you don't enjoy. And then uh, the second one is the things that are your... You're very good at, but you don't love so much. Did I mix those up? Essentially, it boils down to the core genius is the things that come so easily to you that you don't even sometimes recognize that it is a strength because you kind of assume that everyone has it. So it comes Mm -hmm. easily to you and you enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. You do it the best. You do it better than anybody else can do it. Um, Now, of course, that can be difficult to say like, oh, I do this thing better than anybody else but I really believe that people really have this core genius. So do you think that you've found yours yet? Do you think you know yours?
0: I do think I know some of my core genius where I totally break down is how to nurture that while living in like a capitalist. Like that's when I get, I don't like, I don't know how to monetize it. And that, you know, that, that gets hard. Yeah. Cuz yeah, I feel like my co- my zone of genius or core area of genius is helping small business owners find that hope. Like find that through line, that thing that is going to be the constant through whatever change happens mm-hmm. and making sure you have that thread. Mm-hmm. Um but that's such a it's hard to quantify that. Like it's you know, it can be hard sometimes to to Make that a sellable, buyable something. Um, So that's kind of why I usually just try to figure out paid excuses to do that kind of exploration.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is. I mean, I remember because that's a little bit of what I used to do more of, too. And it's, it's really hard because it's one of those things that people say. Oh my gosh! I didn't know I needed that so much until mm-hmm. I had it, and it's now I realize the
0: byproduct. <laughs> yes, yes,
1: and now I realize like how important that was, how much I needed that.
0: It's like you have to trick people into doing it. <laughs> yeah, from what I
1: observe, so much of it is about knowing the questions to ask, and then being really present for listening to the answers, and like paying attention to the cues beyond the actual answers, and mm-hmm. seeing people's faces and where they. St- get stressed out and scrunched up versus when they're like Mm -hmm. beaming. Um, So yeah, I see. I definitely see that as your core genius. Um, To me, it seems like you've already you've already found it and figured it out. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So before we jump into your origin story to like learn how you got to where you are right now, I first want to ask you about two things that you're really proud of so far in your path. Hmm. And I see that one of them is actually a new offering called Studio Saturdays. So tell me a little bit about Studio Saturdays.
0: So Studio Saturdays is a full day intensive where we ready a creative team, um, but a custom creative team. So based on the kind of need, the thing that you need to do, and we will do a full Focused day tackling that to do list that is just really sitting there. So, if it's that a business owner needs a content calendar for a month or they need some templates that they can just continue to use for the rest of the quarter, um, we will kind of do an all hands on deck approach. Um, And that has been awesome. It's like such a thrilling day. We start it with the client, we kick it off, we go, we do some work, we come back, we review it we go back, we do another little sprint, and then it's just high fives all around. And it's just kind of this beautiful, you know, full day, get something done. Um, And we like to do it off hours, like on a Saturday. Um, So it really helps people kind of feel like they're making some progress. Um, It's been awesome. That sounds awesome. So... (laughs)
1: I always wonder like how much can you get done in a day? It's amazing, right? How much you can
0: get done? I'm I'm curious. It's amazing. I I think what's what's been interesting is the kind of things that founders need. So sometimes we'll have a volume play where we can do an entire month of social planning, you know, if you have five content pillars, we can create a little suite of template packs so that you can rinse and repeat as you go. Um, And we can get all of that done in a day. Uh, So like to have one day and then it's all done has been incredible. Um, But then we also had a client that had a big, they were about to win an award. And so they wanted someone to go through their website and find all the places where they talk about their brand and make sure that they have this ability to link to a section that talks about press because they were just finally able to start talking about press. And so it's that one nagging thing that can just kind of sit on that to-do list. Um, and the reason it's sitting there is because there's a bunch of different pieces and we make sure that we have a bunch of people that can help make that happen. Sounds like a dream. First of all, this is <laughs> like,
1: here's this thing that I've been putting off for so long because it's, I don't even know where to begin. Yep. Here. <laughs>
0: it's easier it's so much easier for us to do it for another person but like we probably could use like (laughs) as a as an agency we can we could probably stand to benefit from one ourselves I mean
1: that's so true for all of us it's like yeah I have a background in branding and I right now I don't want to do my own branding. It's so hard to do mm-hmm. that stuff for yourself. It's so hard. The value of outside perspective and people who know how to ask those questions. And of course, um, mm-hmm. of course we're both into community and the power of outside perspective being yeah. involved with Wellstruck. So.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, and then the other thing that you highlighted
0: that you're proud of is recent partner success. Um, totally. So. One of the things that is, you know, the blessing and the curse of doing some of the support is that you'll come in for a little piece, just kind of help them to whatever that next stage is. And then you get to sit back and watch as they just reach these new heights. So we were kind of taking stock in that recently and realizing that. Poppy Seed Health, um, an app that we helped in its really early days, was just featured last week as the app of the day um, with their new app launch, which is amazing. Dream Ventures, which is a female-founded company that helps companies get funding, has this accelerator, and they got two giant corporate sponsors, which is huge. And then Small Packages, another company that I helped with um, some branding and marketing work for, today hit... For the first time, a million dollars in revenue. It is two women. Like, (laughs) she just got operations out of her house and she's hitting these revenue goals. It's like amazing. It's so, so, so amazing.
1: Oh my gosh. You're lighting up when you're talking about their success.
0: (laughs) It's just, it's so cool to see things actually happen (laughs) because so many times you're just not sure and it's uncertain. So it's so nice when it pays off. Absolutely. Oh my gosh.
1: That's so cool. So do you are you gonna circle back with them and uh, have them tell their story with you so that you could share it far and wide? I know. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing those wins. I mm-hmm. love hearing people um, brag on themselves a little bit and um, yeah, yeah, so- just an
0: awe. It's like this circle of awe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I totally want to dive into your origin story of how did you get where you are and doing what you're doing now. And my thinking behind this is, I know that when I first started my business, or when I was in my mid twenties and I was thinking about starting my business, and I looked up to people like you, and it sounds it sounds impossible. You had this. You've worked in house with teams like Condé Nast, TripAdvisor, The Knot. And then you've started your own business, which is helping these kinds of companies that are making a million dollars in revenue and being named top app um, of the day. And so I guess my first question for you is the kind of thing I would have wanted to know then, and actually I'm still interested, um, is (laughs) did you always envision that you would be where you are now? No. Okay. Tell me.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, it never, hmm. I had no idea as I was going through it, but there are times when you take a step back and look back on things and you're like, oh no, this was totally inevitable. Like it, <laughs> I should have seen this coming, but I never saw it coming. And I think that's, that's how it's kind of been. You know, when I went to school, I went originally for illustration you know, I, I we both went through a pretty competitive program that definitely took a lot of the art stars, the people that you know were really class artists in high school, and you were told that you were like super amazing for being there, and you were the best and the brightest, and that's why you were able to withstand this rigor, um, and you developed this super thick skin. And you know, going through illustration, I started then getting into American material culture studies and got really interested in why people make the things they make and why they do the things they do and kind of what brings them to art and making something. And then I realized I could do that professionally through branding. And that just became like, whew, that sounds amazing. And getting out, you know, graduated at a really weird time. So just kind of took what I could and always tried to carve out kind of a niche um, wherever I was and just started doing that at wherever I could get an interview, you know? And so I would wound up working for these really big brands, but always treating them kind of like a small opportunity, you know? Like each each different project was kind of its own client. And so after doing that for a while, I, I was kind of feeling like, I want to do this for people, you know? Like I don't want to do it for big companies, I want to do it. I kind of had lost some of that people ness, (laughs) if that's a word. And so that's where I started to pivot. Like that's where, you know, things started to shift, priorities shift. Getting older, you like look back a little bit more and you're like, how did I, how did I wind up here? And so 2019 was when we really started bringing this idea from what we had done really successfully at larger companies and try to bring it to smaller companies, places that were trying to actually make a difference and have an impact and stay intentionally small and not kind of shift their values to kind of reorder based on where you could make a profit, but really kind of see how you could let profit be the Kind of the means to the end, and the end be something that was way cooler <laughs> than just, you know, making money and getting by. And so we had this super aspirational, like idyllic, we're going to do retreats, we're going to do, you know, all experiential in real life, IRL, take it offline. And then everything shut down. <laughs> like we couldn't be around people. And it was, that was really hard. Um, I had a toddler. Well, she wasn't a toddler then she was a little baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was home all the time. So that's when, you know, we started kind of turning back towards our old branding work. And so we kind of started coming up with these brand sprints as a way to get people to navigate, you know, everyone was shifting, everyone was pivoting, everyone was changing. You know, there were businesses that, had never delivered before that then became like a meal prep and delivery service because they didn't have patrons. And, you know, it just really, everyone had to do something differently. And so that's where we just started offering these bite-sized services in ways that people can not feel super overwhelmed by everything that is possible and really focus on something that can get them a step closer and kind of chip away and get us to a place that ultimately will be better.
1: That sounds so neat and tidy. And and (laughs) (laughs) you just wrap that up in a bow for us. (laughs) So now I'm going to dig a little further and ask you, so um, what did the transition look like between You know, starting to think about having your own business and maybe starting to run it before you left your full time Mm. Um, job—was that scary? Was there any strategy you used to plan things out? Did you know that you wanted to reach a certain amount of savings first, or what did that that part look like? Because I know, I know people love that question.
0: Sure, I had always had like a side hustle going on. After graduating, I was working. I was really fortunate where I kind of was always working. And sometimes that looked like working on a production team while also waitressing. Or, you know, like I was kind of cobbling it together sometimes. But always had like this side design business going, uh, which was called Short Girl Long Name. And that was very me-centric. It was very me creating wedding invitations or, you know, and it was kind of mostly for friends and family outside of work. Um, and then as the corporate stuff kind of took over, that was always still going in the background. And then it was probably after my first layoff. Um, so I was laid off from a job and that cliche of like, it wound up being a blessing because it was laid off on a Friday Self-soothe Friday night, talking to friends about frustration. Oh, actually, give me a call Monday. You know what? Just come in on Monday. Okay, can you start tomorrow? So it kind of has these kinds of, oh my God, you know, <laughs> ways of working out. Mm-hmm. But kind of one of the things that was great but also terrifying was I had a moment of, oh shoot, this can happen. And I want to make sure that I am kind of making myself okay and making sure that I am not like blindsided by something, that I am still relevant as things shift and change. And that was definitely one of the first, you know, big moments for ampersand and ampersand because as I went into my next job, I was determined to like not lose so much of myself, and not let so much of my identity be this other job that will have shifting goals, will have shifting values, and I will not be in the driver's seat of that. And I just like wasn't about to let it happen again
1: mm-hmm.
0: And so that's where, you know, I started really ramping up with short girl long Name until I reached a point where, I was working with so many subcontractors and partners and you know, I I wasn't doing it alone. And so it seemed logical to really start to spotlight all the people that were actually doing it with me. And we all had these kind of like messy, muddied, you know, we're doing this thing and we're doing this thing. And as we were working through that, it just kind of really made sense. And so ampersand and ampersand was kind of this natural. Evolution of that. Thank you for sharing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like to hear more of those messy middle parts. It's, there's so much truth in the um, getting laid off part. Yeah, what you shared about sometimes it's a blessing. So many small business owners tell me that that's how they finally took the so-called leap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, me included. Me included.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it's, you're like a secret society where you want to be positive and celebrate things. So, you know, there's a lot of this girl boss, we're doing it our own way, but you have this little like <laughs> imposter syndrome saying like, but really is this like, what got you here? Yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's hard to fully embrace it when some Outside force really sparked it yeah. and got it going, and you like don't know don't know how to approach it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you also mentioned earlier when you were talking about taking the leap that it it wasn't just about a layoff; it was about you said reaching a certain age and reflecting on how did I get here, working for these corporations? Mm-hmm. How did I get to this point in my life? And really think about what it
0: was that you wanted out of life. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit more? Sure. That's always kind of going on in the background, right? Like, I, at least for me, I, I have ADHD. I have always been someone that has a tough time focusing. I, you know, really enjoy working on... I say I'm working on it in the round sometimes because it's like I'm simultaneously working on it a few different ways. And so it's tough to kind of pinpoint one thing, <laughs> which is the blessing and the curse. And so I think always kind of noticing, always kind of noodling on this idea of, hey, these big companies are doing things a certain way. They're not all that different in the things that they need for these small businesses. And by having lived that experience of seeing those bigger companies, like what they're doing right, what could be better, and kind of by Carving out that little safe space within it, that like was always kind of a test drive for, then what became like a very natural. This is what I'm gonna do now. <laughs> does that answer the question?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it does. It's a it's a tough question. The real deep reasons why people want to leave their gigs, working for other people, and work for themselves. Mm-hmm. There's so much to it, and I. I I find it really fascinating to hear what drives people to do it. It sounds like getting laid, laid off might've been the the thing to finally push you for it. It doesn't sound like that's when you started thinking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that, that was actually before I made the full leap. So the, like I said, I I kind of went from the layoff right into a full-time job. Um, So then I hmm. still was keeping it as the side hustle, but always still kind of, thinking about it Mm -hmm. and kind of chipping away at it. Um, And I think that's where, you know, having, getting to that point in my life where I had a baby, this is, I want this to be like a three hour. Um, I feel like babyness is a whole separate episode. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yeah. We can come back to that another time. (laughs) Like the the ins and outs of
0: that. But it like kind of forces you to have a change Mm -hmm. that for better or worse, you're there. And so you kind of look around and try to see what's the best you can do with what you have. And that's where like kind of knowing, okay, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not going to be able to control. Let's really honor and celebrate what we can control. And this is one of the things we can control. So let's let's just do this. Let's jump in both feet. Let's, let's make a go at it. And then nothing like being steps into a rebrand f- for a pandemic to hit that you're like, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> we're just in a constant state of figuring it out now. And so <laughs> that really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that gets us to here.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for telling us about your, your path to kind of how you got where you are now. And of course, it's never over.
0: <laughs> I know you're still in <laughs> it's it. Not. Um, yeah. So we'll
1: touch on that just in a little bit. But in the meantime, um, there's one thing that you mentioned that I I would love to just hear a little bit about. So you mentioned that you have ADHD. And mm-hmm. um, I know that many people who are um, neurodivergent or people who have mental health illnesses um As I do with depression and anxiety. Um, I think that a big fear that a lot of entrepreneurs who have these challenges have is Am I going to be able to do this and be successful? Like, can someone Mm -hmm. with ADHD be successful in managing a business and managing Mm -hmm. their, you know? And so um, the answer is obviously yes. So I just would love to hear you expand on that a little bit more or if there are certain techniques or things that you you really find helpful or just if you have anything to share with other listeners who might be wondering that question
0: sure yeah i mean it's not it's not easy i don't know that there's any magical way to do it and i think sometimes that ever present reminder makes it hard to sometimes also exist in a space where You're trying to be confident and present yourself as a thought leader. You know, you kind of have this silent thing gnawing away at you. um, And it is just as much a part of you as the confident part that you want to make sure you're putting forward. And I think that's where kind of giving it a name and owning it and being more vocal about it has really helped. And then structuring things. So, for example, the studio Saturdays or critique sessions, like those kinds of offerings are perfect for someone who is really good at coming in, being present, but then doesn't necessarily always have the best object permanence. And like, if I stop thinking about it, if I stop seeing it, it's as good as gone. (laughs) So (laughs) some of these longer term engagements, you know, don't Work well, unless I have someone that is a very good balance for me. Because if, like, I will literally forget to show up for things. (laughs) (laughs) Girl, I set
1: alarms at the beginning of every day. I look at my calendar and I'm like, okay, I need to set an alarm for that appointment, an alarm for this one.
0: Yeah. And I think for a while, chasing then what success looked like, you know, whether that was projects to work on, people to work with, like, whatever those measures of success are. Changing them a little bit and figuring out how you can offer something that isn't less than what isn't like less than ideal, isn't like a poor man's version of a thing that you want to be doing, and figure out a way to have it truly be the thing that you want to be offering is wildly hard and takes a ton of mental gymnastics. But having those kinds of offerings to actually work with the things that you're good at. And not expose you to the things that you're not has been like super tremendous in in building our offerings.
1: Yeah. So I feel like what you're describing is almost like, okay, so there's core genius for the things that you're really good at doing. And then also kind of the method or the format.
0: Yeah. Like the how.
1: <laughs> of the like style of like, am I spreading it out over six weeks? Or am I really good at swooping in and like mm-hmm. being there for you, giving you my all for a full day.
0: That's mm-hmm. so smart yeah. to,
1: to plan that around your style of work and what works for you. Yep. And, and you know, who doesn't love like signing up for somebody's signature method? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally. But I think it's, you know, what can be hard about that is that your area of genius is not pricing it like the business part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the business part of running a small business, if that's not your core area of genius, that is you have to find good people around you. Mm -hmm. People that can really help you fill those gaps. Mm -hmm. And that's where well-struck community and a lot of those places where you can feel seen, finding into your yang, you know, like that that's where it becomes critical.
1: Right. Like build in that structure and accountability from the outside so that it's not dependent on, on you. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so hard transition to three things <laughs> you really wanted to talk about, which I'm really interested to hear about. So number one was what's my deal? Mm-hmm. Driver sort activity.
0: Yeah. Um, so we have this little card game that people can use. It is effectively a value sort. Like I'm, you know, it. It's a thing that we've seen before for sure, but. Um, what I did was kind of made a version that worked for me. And this is something we've been testing for a while. Um, and it has really helped some people figure out what is really driving your actions, what is really driving your decisions. And it feels sometimes like it could be woo-woo, to like spend a lot of time. And, you know, I don't, I want to do this self-help adjacent kind of work. Um, because I'm definitely on the roll like eye roll side of things um me too
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've come around though I've I've really come around to like realizing like it's, it's not always good to be the eye roller roll those on those kinds of things and like 100 I'm, yeah I'm opening my mind and my eyes up to a lot of that stuff lately but but yeah mm-hmm. I feel you
0: <laughs> yes to yes and it's like yes you can be sarcastic and it can be too much and you can really benefit from it sometimes. (laughs) A lot of the time, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so this is where we made a little card game that has different words, different values, um, and a description and definition underneath. And it's a guided notion activity where you can sort through all the things that are really driving what fuels you, what moves you forward, what kind of lights you up. Um, And once you can kind of get real clarity around that, It's amazing how things open up. It's amazing how much starts to fall into place. Um, And so that is something that we're offering. It's a digital download, choose your own adventure. And I get so much feedback that people just will keep it with them in a backpack and just like take it out and kind of sort through it sometimes. Um, It's awesome. Oh my gosh. So, okay. That sounds (laughs) awesome. I'm having
1: trouble imagining what form that takes, but like, I'm very intrigued.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have
1: to go check that out now is that for anyone anybody can go to your site and download that or is that for anybody can
0: go to this site no yeah anybody can go to this site um it's ten dollars um you download it it is it seems very user-friendly I like to make it very accessible DIY um we can even do a promo code uh for different groups that you know we want to try to make it as accessible and inclusive as possible oh cool
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to go check that out. Yeah, so the second thing I know you really wanted to touch on is um, creating a safe space for exploring and critiquing in a time of unrest. Now this might be mm-hmm. something you've touched on a little bit earlier, but um, I want to give space to talk about it more.
0: Sure. You know, one of the core things that I took from the program that we both went through was the ability to have a critique and really have some real critical discussions around something and have it be a space where it doesn't have to be attacking. You can still lead with empathy and a mutual respect for people, but challenge things that aren't necessarily working. And so I feel like that is something that has followed me through the rest of my life. And I'm noticing, especially in the last little bit of time, I feel like I've just been in a constant existence of saying in these times, but like in these times, (laughs) I feel like Mm -hmm. it's hard to explore and critique. It becomes a little challenging uh, because people are burnt out because a lot is going on and yes to all of those things. And we sometimes need to be able to really break something down before you can Build it back up. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do in opportunities large or small is making a space for that. And so whether that's soundboards or brainstorms or critique sessions, whatever, like in any avenue. We're trying to kind of give space for that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it can be something that kind of catches on.
1: First of all, I couldn't agree with you more about um, us both having gone through the same program, the same college program, uh, that probably the number one takeaway and the m- number one thing I learned is, you know, I, I used to take criticism so sensitively. And and I guess I still do when it's outside of like professional design critique setting, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and like don't get me wrong, there's still uh, like emotional abuse and verbal. Those are all still things. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And yeah.
0: My nervous laughter comes out, yeah. but like, <laughs> like right now. <laughs> you need to be able to talk about it though. There needs to be a way to talk about it. I
1: totally agree, and I feel like I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're relating it to, but I feel like in the world of women business owners a lot, there's so much of that mm-hmm. like dancing around directness. Mhm. Because Now I'm making sweeping generalizations here. Like women tend to be a little more empathetic and that empathy is both a strength and a curse at times because we can be so overly empathetic that we don't say what needs to be said as quickly and clearly as it needs to be said. Absolutely. I don't know if that's exactly what you were talking about, but I I feel that.
0: Yeah. And I feel like as a white woman, as an ally, I I try to dance, that line of creating whatever space within whichever zones that I can control for people and making sure that I am protecting the ability to do that. And sometimes I swing too far one way or the other. Um, So it's all about kind of finding that. But then what I also do is try to look for those small opportunities, whether that is in the way I conduct a meeting, whether that is in an offering that we have, whether that is, you know, as a as an upsell to a client, like, hey, would you like us to review your brand assets and stock imagery and the way that you are, you know, visualizing how you show up and who you're talking to? Um, and I feel like just kind of taking those chances, having those moments can, can make a little bit of a difference. And that's sometimes... All we can do in that moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Weaving those values into all the things, big and small, in our businesses and mm-hmm. small steps. Small step leads towards big change. <laughs> mm-hmm. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and the third thing you wanted to talk about for sure is um, hopefully talking about this will make sure it comes to fruition you've been working on a podcast limited series called And Not As I Do. Tell me more.
0: Yeah, so the idea of And Not As I Do is that uh, my studio director, Lisa, and I talk to people um, to really talk about the best advice that we will never follow. So we have been thinking about how we are folks of a certain age and like we know all the things That we have to do, but we just cannot bring ourselves to do any of the things. And we are completely tired of self help and girl bossing, and completely tired of for a beginner, learn how to hacks, tips, and tricks. But also, what do we do? (laughs) So it's really um, us kind of digging into that. And we're gonna have some subject matter experts on to help us really. Like tell us why we're doing all these things wrong, um, and also have people on to kind of show us other ways to consider approaching it.
1: I love it. I want I want you to give me a launch date. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, there's so many more things that I want to ask you about and talk about. So of course, it just means that you'll have to come back another time. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, is there anything that I did not ask you about? That you really kind of wanted to dive into, or explore, um, maybe as it relates to well struck, or as it relates to just anything business related, or um, hmm, reframing success.
0: Well, I have a question, and I I feel like now that this is probably a question I could have asked you at the start of it. But what sort of what sort of vibe are you thinking? You know, we talked a little bit about working on Wellstruck and a little bit of rebrand and how it's hard to work on your own brand. Is there anything that you're kind of hoping this podcast will kind of bring to that Wellstruck brand that you don't have reflected right now?
1: I see you. I see you putting me in the, the interviewee <laughs> chair here. <laughs> I love hearing entrepreneurs' stories. I love hearing how they got to where they are. I love hearing why they love what they do, and how they got to doing the super specific things some of them are doing, like all the things that led them there and hearing about the things they've learned along the way. And I get to hear these stories all the time because I host a membership community for small business owners where we have lots of face-to-face events where we chat about business and are super vulnerable. It's a safe space to open up. Um, And I think safe and private spaces are absolutely necessary. But I also think that it's time to give these stories a platform for other people to hear them. Because I think that in a world where so many (laughs) people are leaving their corporate jobs to work for themselves, there's this side of entrepreneurship that we don't talk a whole lot about. And that's the loneliness, the realness, Mm -hmm. the trial and error, the which goes hand in hand with iteration like all all yeah. these cliche things like start before you're ready but it's cliche it's there for a reason because it's tr- true yeah. you have to do all those things and i think that there are a lot of podcasts and places out there where you can learn about the hugely successful stories um the big yes. the big startups that um you know ended up 5 years in business they're their app blew up and it was bought by a mega company that paid $6 billion for it. And now they're starting their next project. But mm-hmm. what about the stories of people who aren't just trying to get rich mm-hmm. um, and who see success and measure success in ways beyond money? Money is important. And I want to talk about that too. And I want to talk about how to make money while leading a values-driven business um, I think it's possible to do both. I think it's hard, but I want a space mm-hmm. to talk about that and to hear how other people are approaching that. Gosh, you know, like there's, you're never going to reach per- perfection. It's a practice. And so I love the idea of having this podcast where we can have some of the messy conversations and let the conversation unfold and see where it goes um, so that we can kind of like explore the nooks and crannies of why people are doing what they are doing. What did they try that didn't work? What are they doing yeah. differently from others in their industry? What are the misconceptions about the kind of work they do? Um, and just reframing and redefining success and and power um, through the lens of people who want to use their skills or core genius or superpower, whatever you want to call it. Use it for good. Make a good living to do the things they want to do without excess. And then like live their lives. like. Have the weekends off and work at five o'clock or whatever it looks like for you, depending on what kind of business you run. And I think the more we tell those stories and share those stories, the more we're going to see people gaining the confidence to do it, to feel less lonely while they're doing it, to judge themselves less while they're doing it. You know, we waste so much of our energy just judging ourselves for. Not being all that we want ourselves to be, not being mm-hmm. perfect all mm-hmm. the time, judging ourselves for having those days in the middle of February and March where like you just need the mental health day because you don't want to do mm-hmm. Shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and not judging yourself so hard harshly for it, which kind of ties back to earlier when you were talking about like we want to try to put our best foot forward when it comes to things like having ADHD or in my case, living with depression and anxiety. We want to put our best foot forward, but also there's this whole other truth under there that so many entrepreneurs, so many, I don't have the percentage off the top of my head, but there have been studies that entrepreneurs deal with these things more than other people. And it's unclear at times whether that's a cause or an effect, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is because if you don't fit into the traditional work environment, you want to create something that does work for you, whether you have kids mm-hmm. or whether it's a, a, a health challenge, physical or mental or whatever it looks like for you. The reason a lot of people start their businesses is because the norm isn't working for them. Um, yeah. And in a lot of cases, not only is it not working for them, but they're discriminated against to the point where they don't feel safe. Um, yeah. In their workspaces, and so I think that we just need more places where we're having candid conversations about that, um, and and we're like getting comfortable with being vulnerable. Yes,
0: Woof. I love that. See, I love that. See, you ask such good <laughs> questions. I'm glad this is recorded. <laughs> I know. I felt like it was your first one. You needed like a good, a good little blurb that you could play with and edit with. I did.
1: See, look <laughs> at you, always thinking, always thinking. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I yeah. yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, at this point, I haven't even written the podcast description or even come up with the name. Maybe I'll. Maybe it'll have a name. It'll have to have a name by the time this episode gets published. But um, I'm hoping it'll kind of fall out of the first few conversations we're having here. So, I appreciate this one with you. Well, I mean, what would you like to see out of this podcast? What do you think is missing from the small business podcast world?
0: To some of what, you know, you talked about earlier with the idea of a small wonder and these like companies of one, these you know, these people that are intentionally small. Um having more examples of that to look to because I think there isn't a lot of that. You have There is a lot of creators, but then it's usually very personality specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes there are these people that want to be making a difference, but don't want to really center themselves in the middle of that. Um, and it becomes really hard to know how to kind of be a small business owner that is staying small intentionally so that they can do something, but you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to center the focus on you um and I know that that kind of space is definitely underserved (laughs) it's really hard to kind of speak about that and to that and around that um so I'm really thankful to you and for examples like this because it's really hard to find that sweet spot of community a lot of times
1: thank you so much That's exactly what we hope to celebrate here on the podcast. (laughs) So thank you for being my very first interview.
0: I'm so excited.
1: (laughs) Uh, It was good to have a meandering conversation and I'll have you back once I got a little more practice under my belt too. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for listening to the Wellstruck podcast, where we talk about what small business ownership is really like so that you can be more confident about the messy process of figuring things out as you go, because that's what we're all doing. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend. And if you're a small business owner, join us for a Wellstruck roundtable. You can subscribe to our email list where we share upcoming events at
0: wellstruck.com slash subscribe. And remember, you got this.